penultimate. Um, it's no secret, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and one of them uh, has to, is put together by a professor from Concordia, uh, uh, Concordia College, Concordia University in Irvine, California. He's a philosophy professor by the name of Jeff Mallinson, and he uses this word a lot. And it's really kind of got me thinking. Penultimate. Uh, the, the word in and of itself means that uh, uh, it's not quite the last, it's almost the last. We usually use it to mean the second to the last. And it's really an appropriate word for today because today is the second to the last Sunday of the church year. So the, the church calendar doesn't follow the, the normal you know, yearly calendar, you know, New Year's January 1. Um, the new year for the church begins with the first Sunday of Advent, which is usually somewhere at the end of November, first part of December. Okay? And, and we're almost there. This is the second to the last Sunday of the church year. So the, the readings, they're, they're all dealing with the end times. And, and they're helping us to think about when Jesus will return and, and, and the, the judgment that will come upon the earth. But as we think about those things, there are some maybe scary images that come along with that. In our Old Testament lesson today, uh, it talks about you know, that day when Christ returns, that day of judgment, burning like an oven with the arrogant and evildoers as the stubble that's burning up. That's not a happy thought. The wicked trodden down like ashes under the soles of people's feet. Again, kind of a stark image. Jesus talks about nation rising against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Terrors, signs from heaven, persecutions and betrayals. In a lot of ways, the judgment sounds pretty horrible. And what do we do with this? What do we do with this as, as we go through our, our lives as God's people? Well, I think there's a contrast that's going on here. The day of judgment is a day of horror and, and of terror for those who have not placed their hope in God and, and in Christ. That will be their experience, sadly. But for those who do trust in him, there's hope. There's salvation. I mean, think about these images that, that Malachi uses to, to describe that day for us. He says, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. Have you ever been in a situation, I'm, I'm, thinking of, I'm thinking of my bedroom, there's a window, and the light sometimes and certain times of the day will shine right through that. My cats love to lay in that patch of light. And from time to time, so do I. Because the sunshine, it's just like it, it just permeates and, and just warms your whole body and it, and it just feels so good. It, it's like this really alive, healing feeling. That's what God says that last day will be for his people. It will be like that light that shines on you and you just feel Alive and healthy and well, all the way down into your bones. And, and then it also talks about you shall go out like a calf leaping from its stall. 
in case you need some help with that. Um, a little, little image here. And you all laugh. And how can you help but smile when you see that, right? This, this calf is actually experiencing its first day ever outside of the barn. Um, but what does that image mean in terms of Malachi? Well, remember that in those days, they were free-range farmers. They, uh, they, they had their cattle out in the field. The only time they brought them into the pen was to prepare for slaughter. That image of a calf that goes out from the pen, leaping and jumping and skipping, it's the image of a person who has been redeemed from death, who's been rescued. And that's what God says, that the last day is for you. That it is rescue from the death that, that permeates this world. And from the destruction that's, that's all around us. And boy, you leap for joy having experienced God's salvation. But we don't go around skipping or leaping or dancing very often, do we? You know, I think back to when I was a kid, you know, and, and there's still a little bit of this in, in, in our culture here. You know, if the pastor would tell a joke, everybody's like, and I appreciate that you, 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 know, you do chuckle at my jokes from time to time, no matter how bad they are. Um, but when I was a boy, none of us would dare make a sound. We were Lutherans. We laughed on the inside. And there's this tightness sometimes about us. And I'm not saying that you know, when we all go out, you know, it should be you know, leaping, jumping, and, and all of that. But there is real joy. There is real joy in what Jesus has done for us. Because this salvation is real. And this new life is real. And this rescue is real. And the health is real that Jesus has won for us through his own death and resurrection. You know, I sometimes think that the reason we go about with that kind of straight face that Bob had in the pictures there is because we think that this is our ultimate experience. That it is the last. That this is the greatest. That this is, as the philosophers would say, the telos, where we're supposed to finish. But this, this is not the ultimate. This, this is the pen ultimate. Not just the pen ultimate Sunday of the church year, but it's our pen ultimate experience of existence. We're, we're like the people that were talking with Jesus in the gospel lesson at the temple. They see the, 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 the beautiful decorations. I loved the phrase, the noble stones. You know, there's just this grandeur about the place. And, and Jesus, look, this is so amazing. And Jesus says, oh, yeah, you see this? 
The days will come when, yeah, not one of these stones is going to be left on top of the other. The temple was, was glorious. The architecture proclaimed that Israel's God was amazing and incredible. But the temple was penultimate. God was the ultimate. God was the one that the temple pointed to, reminding the people there that God was with them and among them. We get so wrapped up in this life that I think that we forget that this is penultimate. I mean, I know that we believe that when we die, we will go to heaven. We believe that someday we will rise from the dead. But do we live as though there were something after, something better, that awaits us because Jesus promised that he prepares a place for us? I know that we tend to live each day just kind of going moment to moment. I know I do that. You know, and, and I suspect that, that, that you do too. Thinking and, and acting as if the only things that matter are the things that are going on right now. And I think that's really normal. But normal isn't necessarily right or good. You know, when we believe that this world is all there is, there is a lot of pressure there. I mean, I mean, think about the mess we've made of this place. The mess that we've made of the environment. You know, I've seen what kind of plastic comes up on the beaches in the Caribbean. I've read about the oil leak from the Keystone Pipeline. Uh, you know, my goodness. When, when, when I was a kid, when we disposed of motor oil, you know what we did with it? Poured it on the driveway. That, that, was, that was just standard operating procedure back then. Or we put it in the burn barrel and we burned it up into the air. And there are places that still do that, by the way. And think about the mess that our political system is. We're, we're in the midst of an impeachment process here in the United States. In Haiti, everything is falling apart under the corruption of the government. All over the world, politicians are, are, are experiencing privilege and wealth, while citizens are often left behind. There is violence and terror and death all around. And occasionally, there are glimpses of beauty. And honestly, you can make a really good argument that this is the best the world has ever been. And I don't find that a terribly hopeful thought. However, a day is coming when the archangel will shout and Jesus will return and the day of the Lord will be upon us. And in that day, he will set all things right. The creation will be cleansed. The politics will be just and true. There will be peace. As Malachi says, he will turn the hearts of children to their fathers and the fathers to their children. It's a picture of reconciliation and of harmony. 
Jesus' death and resurrection means that God has redeemed this world. And Jesus promises that he will return. And that means that all these things that we've messed up, he's going to make them right. So in the meantime, we find ourselves living in this world that is penultimate. But I need to put a pause on this because I've had this conversation before. Did I just say to pollute and pillage the environment, to support corrupt governance, and to act as though violence in this world doesn't matter because Jesus is going to come back and make it all all okay? No, I did not. As I said, I've been accused of that. Um, And some Christians have used this message of this world being penultimate in that way to excuse their bad behavior. So we need to be clear. You are people of the resurrection. You are people who are living eternal life even now, who have experienced God's blessings and and, and God's salvation. You are washed in Jesus' blood. And you are messengers of hope to a world that, that often has precious little hope. And part of that hope is founded in knowing that the brokenness of this life is penultimate. But Jesus is ultimate. And his salvation is for all who will believe in him. So will there be pollution and injustice and brokenness? Yes. Will there be persecution and betrayal? Yes. But there will also be, in the midst of all of that, opportunity to bear witness about what God has done to make it right. He has given his son to die in our place. Jesus has risen from the dead. And even now, the resurrection is at work in us and in the world. And this is our purpose in the penultimate to point people to the ultimate. We bear the message that brings healing to the broken and life to the dying. We have heard the good news that makes the condemned dance for joy because of the life that they have. And here's Jesus' admonition to us. He says, settle it in your minds, not to meditate beforehand how to answer, For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand. Settle it in your minds to live in God's wisdom, to live in his mercy, grace, forgiveness. Live in this new life that he has given to you. Speak of the wisdom of the cross and trust that in the end, the rumors of resurrection, the declaration of the day of the Lord, and the statement of Christ's salvation mean that everything is going to be okay.
Everything is going to be okay. And we can live with joy and peace even in the penultimate as we work as Jesus' witnesses to this world. Amen.